Bueller. 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 How'd you do? I do? I passed, but I failed. Yeah! I'm happy and sad. Bright as you could have a brother who's so. Don't call me stupid. Who out of the chicken crossed the road? You'll be teaching remedial English. Remedial English? Look, I ain't no English teacher. See? Double negative. What if she wants you to kiss her? Well, then I guess I'm just gonna have to kiss her. Amanda Jones is no minor leaguer who will be swept off her feet at the touch of your amateur lips. Thanks. This babe has plenty of battle scars. Apparently it's rusted junk and we're looking at it. Hello and welcome to Season 2, Episode 1 of Rusted Junk where we look at the 1986 film Ferris Bueller's Day Off, starring Matthew Broderick, Mia Sarah, Alan Ruck, Jeffrey Jones and Jennifer Grey. Ferris, you're sick. And don't go pushing it and making yourself worse. Uh, maybe you're right, Dad. I know I'm right, pal. How'd you get to be so sweet? They bought it. Well, why should he get to skip school when everybody else has to go? I'm taking the day off. Now get dressed and come on over. Ferris, my father loves his car more than life itself. Man with priorities so far out of whack doesn't deserve such a fine automobile. What are we going to do? The question isn't what are we going to do. The question is what aren't we going to do? He does whatever he wants. You know, as long as I've known him, everything works for him. Whatever he wants. He's very cool. And he never gets nailed. Life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around once in a while, you could miss it. You realize if we played by the rules right now, we'd be in gym? (laughs) What is so dangerous about a character like Ferris Bueller is he gives good kids bad ideas. Ferris Bueller, do you know him? Yeah, he's getting me out of summer school. They think he's a righteous dude. Hi, I'm Abe Froman, the sausage king of Chicago. That's me. I can see him denying popular beliefs, setting off on some impossible mission. I did not achieve this position in life by having some snot-nosed punk leave my cheese out in the wind. You want to get married? Central Park in fall. You mean if I wasn't a fool? Sure. Today, when he looks back on the ruin his life's become, he is going to remember Edward Rooney. Hey, Dougie. It's dead, Cameron. You killed the car. My best friend has flipped out. I got you, Paris. I think this calls for something bold. I finally got you. Something wet. Oh, he's such a sweetie. They all adore him. Love you, pal. Something wild. One man's struggle to take life easy. <laughs> what a film. I, it really needs no introduction. Um, welcome to a new season of uh, Rusted Junk. 
Um, and we thought we'd start off with Ferris Bueller. Um, not necessarily a forgotten film, in a sense, but I guess there's not a lot of people that, that know it here in the uh, in the UK. I, I know it's widely regarded in the US, but I think we took the decision that not many people had heard of it, um, in the sense of not many people saw it at the time, because there were other films out there. So, yeah, we thought it'd be a good idea to, to kick off season two with this, and and as well as uh, Amanda, say hello, Amanda. Hello. Hello. We are joined by our daughter, Amy. Say hello, Amy. Hi. So, um, we undenied about uh, letting Amy watch this, but yeah, pretty much. I was around this age, sort of, when I watched it, so yeah. It's a PG-13, It's it. it's parental guidance. It's parental guidance, and we took the guidance, which is... Yeah. <laughs> we thought it was appropriate. Anything that wasn't probably would have gone over the top of her head anyway, so. Yeah. So. And she knows not to use potty mouth language. Absolutely. And there She's is a good girl. There is a little bit of potty mouth language in here, but um but still never mind. Um so we start out with the first bit which is scores. What do we give it? Well, I'll definitely give it a 9. A 9. What do you think, Amy? Yeah, same, nine. Nine, wow, okay. Well, it's always been a ten for me. Um, there are quite a lot of films I've got ten for. Pretty much, you can't you can't do anything to it to make it better. That's my definition of a ten. Um, it's it's perfect. It's, it's like The Breakfast Club, it's like Jaws, um, it's like The Godfather, it's perfect. There's nothing that you can, nothing you can add to it to make it better. Anyway, so, what do we, why, why are we giving it so before we go into the film, before we go into our our usual trivia time and roll call, um, what did you think about the film? Because I'd, I'd watched this many times, as I said, this is probably my 151st time of watching it. <laughs> but but to you two, you're watching it for the first time. So well, I'd seen part of the film, the end bit with the car, um, because you'd shown me it a few years ago. Yeah. Um, but I hadn't seen the film all the way through, so for me, I was glued to the screen, and uh, I actually really enjoyed it. What do you do think, Ames? Um, yeah, I, I I was really into it. Okay. It was sort of my my type of movie. Okay. I mean, I I do like say Disney princesses, but also like just movies that just keep your eyes watching it all the time if you know what i mean it's like one of those movies yeah you didn't love it you didn't really get like restless like you do in a cinema or anything (laughs) so you obviously had something in there that held your attention yeah well one thing in the cinema yeah i do not like uncomfy seats that's why i like the showcase in in, um (laughs) uh commentary there we go wow there's, there's shout out for the showcase yeah not just a, not just a review of the film we are we might be reviewing cinemas and especially cinema seats in this case and especially Cineworld oh, okay and you like Cineworld as well anyway <laughs> let's get back to Ferris um, uh, good memories uh, for me um, I was going through a pretty tough time at school um, <clears throat> I was getting bullied at the time and um, I guess this I guess John Hughes as a whole kind of like guided me through that bit um, with Pretty in Pink, with Weird Science, uh, started with 16 Candles, um, obviously The Breakfast Club, um, 
you know, you then got Ferris Bueller and things that came after that. It's just a wonderful, it was just a, a wonderful film that, that gave me something to focus on. So, um, in that respect, it's, it, it's, it did its job. I remember we had a Christmas party at school and, and we got to nominate the film that we had and and for one small moment we all sat around watching this and laughing together and there was no bad thing and it was just a really, really nice memory um, as well as it's just been an amazing film anyway. Um, the other thing that, that I would note is and again, one of the reasons why we picked Forgotten, uh, pick it for a forgotten film is because this time last year I was at a John Hughes movie marathon at the Alexandra in Birmingham Um, and it started with 16 Candles it then went into uh, Pretty in Pink then went into Breakfast Club and finished at 12 minutes and then Ferris Bueller started just after midnight so we went all the way through till about about 2am and there were people around me that hadn't seen the, the other films so they hadn't seen any of them at all and 16 Candles doesn't date that well but when they got to the Breakfast Club they were kind of like pretty much blown away and and went and these were people in their sort of early 20s that were basically seeing these films for the first time Um, and I said well you've got to stay for Ferris and then afterwards you know you had like a little discussion about it even though it was two o'clock in the morning um, about how all these films gel together and there is a common theme um, which I love about them so yeah I have very fond fond memories of Ferris um, in that way. Um, do you have anything else to add before we go into? No. For people that don't know the story, uh, it's just basically Matthew Broderick, Ferris Bueller wants to take a day off school um, and he's finding elaborate ways. Obviously planned it very well. He's obviously got um, his, his friends involved in some way. There's, um, it's just wonderful. But anyway, um, so before we go into it, do anything, nothing more to add before roll call? Should we go straight to roll call? Are we going to talk about, we're going to talk about like the good bits in the films or film, the bits in the films oh, that yeah. we really like. Oh God, yeah, definitely. Yeah, when but we, we usually do that after roll call. Okay. Okay, so with that in mind, let's go to roll call. Roll call. Well, let's start with Matthew Broderick. So if I say to you, without looking obviously at what I've written, um, s- sitting here in my Say Ferris t-shirt, I may add. Does it look very nice? It looks. It's very nice. It's um, it's new, isn't it? Uh, newish. I've had it for about four or five years, but I just haven't worn it. You haven't worn it. Yeah, I know. Well, I, I guess Ferris didn't need saving, but yeah. I'm back. I'm back with this now. Um, if I said to you, Matthew Broderick, what comes to mind? That he's married to Sarah Jessica, pa- Jessica Parker. That's it. That's it. Anything else? Film roles, film roles? Uh, is it Biloxi Blues? Wow, great, great reference. Yes, I Biloxi Blues is incredible. It, but a very long time ago. With, I can't remember the film, really. And it's got Christopher Walken in as well. Yeah, it has, yeah. Yeah, that's an exceptional film if you haven't seen it, to check it out. Um, well, Matthew Broderick, for me, um, got my imagination with War Games. He was in films, he was in War Games and Lady Hawk. Uh, so, a like, fantasy film before he appeared in this. Um, he then went on to do things like Biloxi Blues. Um, he was in the um, the Freshman with Marlon Brando, and basically he played an intern. He like played somebody who was Marlon Brando played his godfather role, but he was like the front of a businessman, but in the background he was a gangster. So it was kind of like a play on his his thing in in uh, the Godfather. Okay. Um, 
he was also in The Cable Guy, which I absolutely adore. It's my favourite Jim Carrey film. Um, it works because of Matthew Broderick. It's not just Jim Carrey. It's wonderful. But he also voiced Simba in The Lion King. And that's Matthew Broderick's voice, which you could tell a, tell a mile away. Alan Ruck, moving on to. Well, didn't do an awful lot. He was Captain Harriman in Star Trek. Who was that? Sorry, in the film. It's Cameron Fry. I'm, Cameron. Going, I'm going in order. It's, right, okay. Yep, and um, he was in Star Trek Generations. Uh, and he's also in Speed with uh, Keanu Reeves. He played one of the um, people on the bus. Who basically just looked um, like he wanted to help all the time, but couldn't do it because he was scared. Um, he played quite a good role in that. Um, so, yeah, Alan Ruck. Um, I'd love to know if other people, because obviously I, I, I look at things they've been in and what resonates with me, and I couldn't find anything else. So, if anybody knows, like you know, a particular Alan Ruck um, moments, then give us a shout. And then there's Mia Sarah, who I was. You wouldn't be surprised to know I was hopelessly in love with in the 80s. Um, so she is famous for starring in Legend with Tom Cruise. Uh, she was also Jean-Claude Van Damme's wife in Time Cop. Do you remember Time Cop at all? No. No? Okay. But I was quite... Uh, well, let's just say Jean-Claude Van Damme caught my attention. Oh, it's another Downey Junius. Not quite. Uh, Jason Bateman moment but for different reasons obviously Muscles from Brussels uh, I did actually have a poster of him did you? in what pose? he was flying through the air with all his muscles showing okay wow kickboxer then wait you mean John Van Dyne Clam? not no. quite no. no oh no. I don't know you won't John, see any of those films Jean-Claude Van Damme yes John Claude Van Damme that's near enough, yeah. That'll do. That's that's close he, enough. He did a lot of sort of um, hand combat fighting kind of movies. Hmm. And Time Cop was exceptional. It's very very good. Um, but uh, a standout in 2002, there was a um, a TV show called Birds of Prey, which basically starred Huntress, who was Bat- Batman's daughter, um, fighting crime, um, and Mia Sarah played. Dr. Harleen Quinzel, who was Harley Quinn. Um, and she basically played the sort of psychiatrist that people, that, you know, the, the characters would come to and talk about these these things. And she was the evil person. So she was the psychiatrist by day. She was the evil person trying to bring the birds of prey down. So what film, when was that then? Well, it was 2002. It was, a, it was a series on the CW network. Oh, so it's not the recent one. No, 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 not at all. What, the one with the Harley Quinn face which says Birds of Prey? Yeah, the, that's the the rather long title. Uh, it's Harley, saw, Birds of Prey. I just saw, call it Birds I of saw, Prey. I saw, I saw like the, just the cover of it on Plex. Oh, okay, all right. I haven't watched it. But yeah, she was really good in that. She was, she was fantastic. Um, and as a, as a friend of mine would say, she, she was smoking hot she was but uh, Jennifer Grey well Jennifer Grey is famous for Dirty Dancing nobody puts baby in the corner that's true that's true but she was also in Red Dawn 
uh, with Patrick Swayze. Red Dawn, not Red Dwarf. No. <laughs> that, that'd be interesting. I don't know what character she'd play in. in... Oh. She's, she's, she's quite multi-talented. I do like her. Um, she played Mindy in Friends. Um, so she played Barry's wife in Friends. She appeared in there. Ooh, um, yeah, I know. You, you're just watching Friends at the moment. You're enjoying yeah. it as well. Yeah, I'm on to like I think season four now. Season four, well, there's a lot. There's a lot to come. Ten seasons of Friends. What? Yeah, yeah there's a lot. There's a lot to go. Um, and then she played uh, Judy in Red Oaks. Do you remember Red Oaks? Yeah, I really enjoyed Red Oaks. And she was great in it. And she was she was wonderful in it. Paul Reiser's wonderful in it. They're just you know the standout performances in Red Oaks are just great. I think we got to the middle of season two and we didn't watch it anymore I think we just I don't know what happened we just probably started watching something else probably yeah not Ozark at that point no 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 it's way before then. oh I call Ozark Noah's Ark okay thank you because <laughs> it sounds sounds similar wonderful um, so yeah so Jennifer Grey is is great um, the one that's a bit more perplexing is um, Jeffrey Jones who plays Edward Rooney um, the principal so he's in he's in Howard the Duck which we're going to get to in season 2 we are going to cover Howard the Duck yeah you can't, strangely enough Ferris Bueller is suitable for you I don't actually think Howard the Duck is Howard the Duck yes I don't think it is Howard the Duck is a Marvel character we it's know a, someone with a duck costume don't we oh yeah I won't yeah. be wearing that for the podcast don't worry <laughs> don't worry he wore it to Glaston budget as well um, he was also in Amadeus, which is where he caught the eye of John Hughes because he played the king in Amadeus. So obviously, Oscar-winning film. Jeffrey Jones has a very smaller part, obviously, compared to um, to the, the main parts of Salieri and, and um, Mozart. But yeah, he was great. But my Jeffrey Jones moment is The Hunt for Red October, where he plays. He's a very, very small part. Basically, the Russians have built this uh, new submarine which can escape detection um, called the Red October um, and the Americans don't know what it is so you've got um, Adam Baldwin Alec Baldwin Adam? Not Adam Baldwin no there's, m- there's many Baldwins but no this Alex. is definitely this is definitely no it's Alec Baldwin and Alec Baldwin obviously playing Dr. Dr. Jack Ryan um, takes it to Skip Tyler who builds submarines he takes it down the shipyard and says can you see these intelligence photos and tell, tell them what they are anyway he plays he's only in it for probably four minutes but those four minutes you remember Jeffrey Jones and he's great because he looks at these pictures and then leans back and then goes I think they've done it I think they've actually built it and he comes out with the line and I had to write it down he sits back and goes when I was 12 I helped my daddy build a bomb shelter in our basement because some fool parked a dozen warheads 90 miles off the coast of Florida well, this thing could park a couple of hundred warheads off Washington in New York and no one would know anything about it till it was all over. And it's just delivered a great line. And right at the start of Red October, you know, if this is the calibre I'm, I'm, I'm in for, this is going to be a great film. And it was. We can't do Red October because it's 1990. So I don't know if that oh, well. falls in the... I know. Maybe, maybe we get onto uh, at some point in our lives. If we've got 90s. <laughs> we've, got, we've got a few 80s stuff to do first. Exactly. Um, and then lastly, uh, we have Edie McClurg, who plays the secretary. Oh, she was funny. Great. Oh, 
Oh yeah, her line was, "They think Ferris is a cool, cool righteous dude." That's not it, but still close. Close. <laughs> not bad. Not bad at all. Um, you take, you take, take what you like from it, sweetheart. Um, she's also in another film that we're going to cover, probably not in season two. Well, I hope we do actually, because it's not, uh, a film called Back to School, uh, which we've talked about before. Rodney Dangerfield goes back to school to help his son pass. Um, <laughs> it's great. <laughs> Sorry. Um, she was in Valerie. She was in TV series Valerie and Caroline in the City, which I loved. Starred Leah Thompson from Back to the Future. Um, and Caroline in the City was definitely one that I watched. But she delivers, and I can't say it on the, um, I can't say it on this podcast. But she delivers the killer line in Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, where she's at the car rental desk. For all those people who know Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, you know the line that I'm talking about. But it's wonderful. What is the flavour of the line? Uh, okay, so Steve Martin has gone to his rental car. Um, he his briefcase gets run over. He falls down the side of a like a snowy bit to get to it. When he finally gets there, um, the car isn't there. He turns around and the bus that's just dropped him off, the miles from the, the airport, has actually left. So he has to walk back to the airport and then say to her, um, "I need a car. Basically, I need another car." And that's putting it politely. Because it's not only one of Steve, Mo- Steve Martin's best moments, it's definitely Annie McClurg's best moment. But she's wonderful in this as Grace. I just, do you, did you like her, Amy? Did you like her, the secretary, who we're talking about? Yeah. You did? Was she one of your funniest, funniest ones for you? Or was... uh, yeah, because um, another, another cool moment with her is when... I've written this down in a notebook. Okay. Um... How many pencils did she take out of her hair? Well, honestly, you'll you will love trivia time, but um, it was uh, it was four, four. four. I, I think it was four. It's just how'd you get that many pencils from your well, hair? If you've got a big bouffant hair, you can hide quite a lot of pencilage in there. How many pencils do you think Amy Winehouse could get in her hair? Oh my goodness, you could get. A whole pack of twenty-four, I reckon. Like a whole colouring, colouring. Yeah, a whole set. rainbow colouring set. Yeah. With a few rubbers, uh, some pencil sharpeners, parallelograms. So there's some printer paper. You know, I mean. <laughs> oh how, no, how much I was meant to say there? protractors, not para, para, parallelograms. Oh. Oh my goodness. Check you out. Words. Oh, yeah. Too, probably too long for some more tipex as well. Yeah. <laughs> tipex. So, yeah, I've been sniffing tipex. Oh, sorry, you don't know what tipex no. is, do you? You're in, the, in an era where Tipex does not exist. Uh, it was called, wait a minute, for our American friends, it was called Whiteout. Was oh! Really? I believe so, yeah. Whiteout was where you were about your mistakes. Yeah, but um, it, it was, used to be for when you had typewriters. So Tipex was like liquid paper. So you could actually just like go over the, the mistake that you made, put some liquid paper on, wait for it to dry. That was always the thing, was it? Is it dry? Is it not dry? Is it dry? Is it not dry? And if it wasn't dry, it would naff up your pencil or naff up your, your pen or your typewriter ribbon. So you had to keep going over it. Do you remember that? Yeah, I do. Oh, God. And then like the first lot of Tipex that came out was solvent based. And like they didn't think eventually health and safety it was appropriate to be solvent based then they made it water based and it was rubbish and then it was rubbish it didn't didn't do do anything at all it was like white water it was rubbish like skim milk yeah like skimmed milk (laughs) 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 alright okay you two it's fine dad just dad just 
skim bought it. I bought one skim milk in yeah. the last ten years. When are you buying that again? Right. Never. Look, it's a lockdown. I panicked. I saw some skim milk and I bought it. Okay. Uh. Right. Do well, not, not do again. that again. Okay. Yes. I won't do that again. I don't believe you had any, so it's fine. Uh, I did. I had it she in my cereal. She did in her breakfast. Oh dear. Uh, All right. Okay. Right. Just saying, enough, I'm, o- enough over I'm dramatics. Starting, I'm starting to feel quite sick about all this now. Alright. Or maybe you need to sniff some Tipex. Oh no, I didn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> but you you probably don't even know what Tipex was, do you? It was white out. It was yeah, only because I've just said it. <laughs> it was liquid paper. Anyway, anyway that was roll call. Uh, uh, yeah, you're, you, I was just going to say, you're a bit off topic. Not on, no, we're definitely on top. We're definitely on topic. Tipex by oh, roll call. Uh, apologies, sweetheart. You know, don't listen to our podcast. So you don't know that we do all this and we go off topic. We go all, all the way around the houses. I'm surprised we haven't been talking about pilchards or something by now. Because, I mean, <laughs> it can go anywhere. It could go anywhere. Oh, oh. All right, okay. Right, so, yeah, that was Roll Call. Thanks, thanks very much. Cheers. So, the film itself. Um, what, do you want to, what do you want to take first? What have you got in your notes? Oh, mine's sort of like chronological in the film. Okay, well, let's, really. let's, let's take that then. I, I quite like the beginning bit where, like, he was talking about how to fake an illness. And it was oh, like, yeah. um, it, it was to fake a stomach ache. When you bent really. over moaning and wailing, you lick your palms. Oh, I was going to come on to that. Oh, sorry. Anyway, yeah. And it was like, like all these things you should do and shouldn't do, or a phony fever. You don't want a fever because then, like, they'll get the doctor's office involved and you don't want that to happen because yep. then you'll be found out. And But what really struck me in all this, the fact like his parents were quite concerned about him um, and how he was feeling and like they really sort of like were taken in by this um, fake kind of illness was, was the fact that his mum was saying, oh yeah, I'm, I'm in the area. So... You know, the office can call me and I can come home. And you think, oh my God, yeah, seriously, this is the days before mobile phones. Yeah. So, and it's like a, a film. You know, mobile phones weren't a thing. Those pages. Those pages, yeah, but he's not going to have a pager, is he? But yeah, those pages. And, and it just, it just really kind of like made me think. Oh God, yeah, we're watching a film without mobile phones in it. Because now they're they're almost like an appendage that everybody has. Smartphone, isn't it? <laughs> but if you're, that's that's the same with any film. So did you say that? Did you say the you know the the Godfather? You know where James Khan gets uh, no, ruthlessly gunned down. Is it would have been better if he'd had his no, mobile on him. What I'm trying to say is about faking an illness. Is it now a lot harder? The fact that people have got mobile ah, that's phones. Ah, good point. Well. I, you can still ignore your mobile phone, can't you? If you're if you're faking an illness, you're not going to answer the phone, are you? I mean, I don't do it, but I, I you know, I, I I go to work as much as I possibly can. But I mean, if I'm ill, and I don't go to work, I'm ill. But people I know will ring up their used to. This is like going back when I worked for um, worked for the bank. They would ring up at seven o'clock in the morning. So that it went straight through to the manager's voicemail to say, oh, I'm not feeling very well today. I'm sorry, I can't answer the phone. I'm going off to sleep now. I've been up all night, usually on the toilet, which is always, always one of those things. And then there's your excuse. 
but then you didn't answer your mobile and you said well you know I've done what I needed to I'll let you know that I'm not coming in but I don't know you're right probably yeah tracking your mobile or something because like obviously I'm not a teenager anymore with a mobile phone maybe this is one for you later on in life Ames Mm. when you're trying to fake an illness maybe never yeah you have you have to, like to gone off school what you you sometimes you've gone oh my tum, tummy hurts oh, my tummy oh hurts. this this oh. like like what we know you little faker we know what's going on yeah but I'm not, sometimes you're trying to do that you don't know when it's real and when it's not real mm. no i kind of know don't kid a kid i kind of don't know anyway right well i can puke and then you'll actually get the memo <laughs> about Ooh. me not faking it oh crikey she's grown up gripes, <laughs> gripes. is this just being told off yeah yep. I think so oi we <laughs> right, do the right, we, okay Miss sassy we do the telling off it. around here it's alright you just um, you just up by one year the age you were going to get a mobile phone <laughs> <laughs> yeah so now it's going to be 26 when you get one no that's boyfriends oh no that's 28 you're not having a boyfriend before you're 28 no 27 chance. actually oh well it's just gone up a year because of your sass I'd, <laughs> I'd lay off the sass sister anyway right um, so yeah sorry so you were saying about faking illnesses yeah uh, do you want me to go on to my next bit oh I do yeah oh okay um, I do I'm happy to I'm happy to be guided really by you it and you'll, you'll you can join on on this uh, it's the teacher you realise how dull his like lessons must have been from like the, the two teachers that you get to see like in the environment teaching and like he's taking the register at, um, oh, in the yeah. morning and he's like Bueller Bueller so he, says all, he says all the kids names Bueller <laughs> Adam, yeah, Adamson Bueller Adamowski yeah. so yeah, you can says, quote what the girl says oh he's sick my best friend's sister's boyfriend heard from this guy that knows this kid that's going with the girl that saw Ferris pass out at 31 Flavors last night. Guess it's pretty serious. <laughs> I, I think that's like right. That it should be right. And then in the, the actual lesson, it was so dull. And he just basically like, anyone? 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 And then he says the answer. You gotta, anyone? you gotta forget. Anyone? Everyone in author, everyone in authority in a John Hughes film is lampooned, and John Hughes obviously. I did, I don't have anything in that. I've got a stack load for trivia time, but I don't have that. John Hughes had particularly bad, bad experiences. I think he he must have done, and this is just his way of. Everyone in authority in his films is lampooned, and obviously it's gonna be. I sat through economics lessons and stuff. God, they were dull. And I guess this is his way of getting back. So yeah, what next? I thought it was quite fun, the fact that, um, like, he's obviously a really well-liked character at school, but you never see him in the school environment, so you never see him interact with the other kids at school, apart from his mates and mate and his girlfriend. So when you... And his phone call, when he when he's phoning them. Yeah, yeah, but, like, he's not in school, is he? No. No. So you don't actually get to see how well loved and stuff that he is. It's only because of like the save Ferris thing and like the fact that they're trying to fundraise to buy him a new kidney, is it, or something? Yeah, where would he be? What if you want a favour from Ferris Bueller one day, huh? You heartless wench. 
<laughs> and like, he, he, the quote was, uh, one of the girls was, if Ferris dies, he's giving his eyes to Stevie oh, yeah. Wonder. <laughs> <laughs> Not sure he could get away with that today, but still. That was hilarious. It was a good line. I loved that. And then, um, yeah, I just, just really loved it. Do you want me to keep going through Yeah, definitely. Okay. I think this is working quite um, nicely. Uh, there was an auditor alert. Oh, there's we're not getting a jingle for it, but oh. auditor alert, auditor alert. Yeah, no, I'll do were, it. No. There were two, no, three, in fact, three, three auditor alerts. The first one was when um, <laughs> they faked, like, the death of, um, what's her name? Her, her grandfather. What's her name? His girlfriend? Oh, Sloane. Oh, Sloane. Sloane yeah. Peterson and, yeah. uh, and her father, George Peterson. Yeah, they faked the death of um, her nan. It was a nan. Grandmother, yeah. Yeah. And um, the fact that um, George Peterson is calling the, the, the school. Yeah. And they don't check that it's him. They just assume that it is him because he's calling the school. Why wouldn't they? Because... They've probably never spoken to him. Yeah, but... School knows what you sound like. They okay. probably know what I sound like, but... Yeah. Anyway. Okay. Um, yeah, and then Ferris is online too. So they think, oh my God, it's actually <laughs> George Peterson calling. Because it's it basically like given this um, conversation uh, as if it was Ferris on the, other, on the other end of the phone and he was like... Yeah, if you just mm, produce a corpse. Yeah, asking him to, to wheel the grandmother in. Yeah, just roll her own bones in here <laughs> and I'll dig up your daughter. Oh yeah, yeah. I that's just popped into my mind okay. when um uh I don't know if it's just further on in the movie, but when he called us George um George, the, um then oh what happens um don't know. Should we come oh, back to that? Wait, because wait, obviously wait. we want the oh, yeah, fire. Oh yeah, yeah, I got it. Um, so George Peterson calls, and then <laughs> Principal thinks it's, it's Ferris Bueller. But instead, it's Ferris Bueller's best friend, Cameron. It's Cameron so, playing George Peterson. That's yeah, right. and then and then Ferris calls at the other end. Well, technically we, the other end of the what phone. What we just said, yeah. And then and then it's great. And thanks. Then just, just okay. Thanks. Right, moving so on. Cool. All of it. The, one, of the, one of the other things that I thought was a bit funny was um, the way he put the dummy in the bed. So when you open the door, it, when the it mum when the over. mum when the mum comes home, because she's told by Ed Rooney that he's been off nine times, which obviously ends up being two, because yeah. Ferris hacks in kind of like war games, he he hacks into the and turns it into two, so she has in her head nine times he's been off school, so she goes home to check. So yeah, that's the bit. Yeah, and like she doesn't realise that like the arm of the dummy is like really really dark brown. No, and it's not Ferris's skin colour, so it's like, ah, oh, okay, she hasn't even noticed that then. Okay, that's fine. Um, another auditor alert. Um, how's the how's the audit how's that an auditor alert? Auditor alert, auditor alert. Yeah, but how, how's, how's not noticing that it's a dummy in the bed? An no, auditor. that's not it. Oh, I thought that was the auditor. No, I thought you were doing three auditors. Right, okay. No, 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 the second one okay. was um, 
Abe Froman, the Chicago Sausage King. <laughs> <laughs> Sausage King of Chicago, yeah. Um, so, yeah, just just felt that, you know, it wasn't really quantified at all. Well, I think, well, yeah, you put, yeah, you're right. They didn't do the callback to find out that no. they, they were the right. And they, they would have called the number. Yeah. But then, if he, if in your world, it's we update Ferris Bueller with mobiles, all he does is call A. Froman's mobile, and if it doesn't ring anywhere, A. Froman isn't there. But all he has is probably the number of his office, and he can't call that because Abe's standing in front of him. I don't okay. know. Well, I don't know. No, true, true. Okay. And then um, uh, the, the flip-up sunglasses. Oh, my God. They oh. were horrendous. So the principal's looking for Ferris, and she, and he flips up Jeffrey Jones, flip, flips them up, and they're just, what, so uncool. It's just a frame, and then yeah. it's just like the glasses bit are like these flippy floppy kind of like lenses I I had a, I no you didn't right okay wait a minute no no I didn't have a pair of those but um, Ducky um, aka John Cryer in Pretty in Pink he has a pair of round sunglasses which flip which flipped up on like a hinge on the top of the glasses and I wanted to be Ducky so much that on a rare trip in the 80s to London I went to Camden Market and I bought a pair oh my god that's really sad yeah you didn't wear them, did you? Oh, no, I bought sunglasses to just hide in a drawer somewhere. So, yeah, I did. Oh, no. Oh, wait a minute. I've got another crime, a fashion crime, when it comes to Ferris Bueller. Can I mention, well, can I mention it now? Well, I'm not really sure what you're going to mention. Um, you know his beret? Oh, you didn't. <laughs> yeah, I kind of oh, did. I bet you look more like Frank Spencer. <laughs> I, I, I think at that point, obviously being the size that I was, um, I was I was more like Star Wars kid, um, trying to put oh, on a yeah. basically Star Wars kid. For those people that look it up on YouTube, it's is a rather large kid. That was kind Drunken of Drunken Jedi. Drunken Jedi one. Um, yeah, I just bought beret, um, and I got Mum to sew in the thing that he has on it. Um, <laughs> going around going around a rural town in the UK, oh, trying God. to think that I was Ferris Bueller. No wonder you didn't have a lot of friends and you just watched movies. I did have friends. You didn't. You can't have done. Towards the late that's 80s, so that's where sad. I started to get the friends I've got for I life. I never knew anybody that wore a beret. Well, I, I love this film this much. Just horrendous. What's wrong with the beret? <laughs> well, why? Is, is something wrong with the beret? Yes. What, in general? You just don't like just anybody, so you don't like paras wearing berets no, and stuff. it's a uniform thing, isn't right, it? Right, or if you or if you've got if you've got onions around your neck and a stripy shirt. Don't go there. Well <laughs> Onions Anyway. Okay. Right. Right. Um <laughs> So when they're skipping school and they're going off on their little adventures, they go to a baseball match and um the principal after flipping his sunglasses uh, then goes into a, a, a like a cafe restaurant place and the, the telly's on. And it's got like the baseball game that the the guys have gone to, and uh, it just happens that they they stand up and catch the ball. Yeah, that's a good, good moment. <laughs> uh, just as the principal isn't looking at the screen, and you're like, oh my god, that's hilarious! Like, the fact that he missed that. Absolutely, and I, I, you know, I think I've googled it once, but I don't know the thing that Ferris and Cameron say um, when they're sat down. Which is a bada 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 swing bada. 
Is that a thing that's said at baseball games? Because I think I got told at some point that that's, that's what people... It's a thing that people say. I don't know. I've been to one baseball game. Did they say was, that? It was in New York. So it was the New York... Jets, I think it was. Was it the Jets? Yeah. Playing with the Baltimore Orioles. And it was back in the 90s and the two just did not like each other at all. And there was a real big thing that kicked off. There was a fight between the two of the teams, basically. Sweet. Uh, it was, and it made, like, news. So, as we were walking back from... I don't see you on the front page. No, 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 no. It made sports news. So, I, I actually have a paper of the game that we went to. Wow. Like, when it all kicked off. Because it was such a rare occurrence this to happen I've never been to a baseball game I can imagine if I, if I long if I did go like cricket basically yeah. uh, if I went to a baseball game I'd want to see them kick off with each other oh, it was amazing in the same way they all like piled out the dugout it was brilliant Th- that's what I'd want to see oh. that's the same reason that people watch Formula 1 they watch it for the first two the first two laps and then go well nobody's crashed right turn it off I know people that just watch Formula One. They they watch to see that first bit, and see who nudges who and who gets off and, and whatever else. I can't so yeah, if it's the Jets or the Knicks, New York. Anyway, I'm I'm sure that. our US listeners will anyway. will contact us. Yeah, they'll say. Pardon me. Right. Okay. Um, I'm another auditor alert. Well, it's not auditor, but it's just a security alert. Why on earth have they got such a massive? ginormous dog flap obviously the dog's big but there's no security on it it's just a, f- a flap so it's, you, it's, you it's enough to yeah. crawl in Jeffrey Jones could crawl in yeah so if it's big enough for him you know you just get some kids that, that, that come in however the dog's there that's true yeah let's, well let's put it this way if I put my head through there and saw that dog yeah I'm not going in that house <laughs> <laughs> but what happens if the dog's got to sleep at some point surely true so True. yeah, you're probably right. Yeah. Aud- good auditor alert. Well, we had um, we had two Rottweilers. In fact, when I was growing up, they were brilliant dogs. Didn't have them together. We had one, and then after she died, after six years, we had another one. But they were completely different characters, but beautiful dogs. Absolutely lovely, really lovely dogs. But okay. they they both loved my dad. They were like, Dad never fed them. He never walked them. But to them, Dad was like the patriarch of the family. He was. Well, he the, was. Your dad was a very strong character. Alpha male. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was quite interesting. I think Mum got a bit annoyed about that. <laughs> she was the one that used to take them out for walks and fed them. <laughs> oh, anyway. Um, okay. Yeah. Um, one thing I did notice at the end of the end of the film. The fact that Ferris was loved so much and like had all these flowers delivered and stuff. Because everyone was out during the day, including Ferris, how did all the flowers get in the house, up the stairs and in that's the a good, That's a very good point. How did they get there? I think the door was just left open. Yeah, but if you deliver something, you don't like arrange it all in the hall and stuff, do you? Maybe Ferris was um, test, test driving a ring doorbell prototype. Yeah, but he did though, because he had a recording, so he couldn't come to the door. Hello. <laughs> I'm sorry, but in my weakened condition, I, I might fall down the stairs and cause myself further school absences. <laughs> Amazing. Oh dear. Yeah. So, and then like 
the car versus Ferris race home. That that has to be a classic. It is a classic. It is a classic. It is a classic. And one of the things I think, um, you know, when we when we go into trivia time, it's probably a good it's probably a good idea to go into trivia time a bit quicker than we thought. Not just yet, but we can discuss some of the other points in the films because some of the things you're talking about. I, I didn't know when I looked up this trivia I didn't know and so when you talk about that iconic scene at the end I now have this little thing in the back of my head going oh yeah but there was there was that and, and this is what happened um, it, you're right it's iconic it's been recreated for the Domino's advert which you can go on YouTube you can even do a side by side comparison um, yeah that's just it's glorious mm. so for me are we, are we going to talk about trivia yeah. and then talk about the film again after? Or no, are we just going to no, talk I think about the film now. I, th- I, I think I know where again. you. I think I know where you're going with this one, and and I think we should do it before trivia time okay. because it's always a good time. And I think the the question that I'll ask you, and then you'll provide the answer because I think that's where you're going. Is this a film about Ferris? No. Right. So what is it about? It was quite interesting because I thought, oh, it's just about a kid bunking school and just like, you know, all the adventures that he's going to get up to. But it isn't. It's about his mate. It's about Cameron at the heart of it. It's about him obviously being overruled by his father and not having the confidence or the platform to be able to stand up and, you know, be his independent self. So for me, it was about him actually not accepting that role and realising that actually yeah I've got to be able to stand up to my dad and it's really important that I do that and have an opinion of my own and and kind of you know I'm old enough to be able to stand on my own two feet and not get bullied around with my dad and that to me was at the heart of the film I agree um uh, and again, I think I probably said that at the start, is that that's one of the th- things that definitely resonated with me. Mm. This is this is a this is a comedy film. This is one of those films where I remember, oh yeah, Ferris, yeah, I remember that. Oh, it's very funny. But there is a there is this that all the running all the way through. Yeah. And and he's at points they just dad. stop. And you know that he's yeah. scared of his dad because like of all the comments that he's made and like his anxiety about Ferris wanting him to go around to his house and then he's like no I can't go yes I can go no I can't go that whole kind of scene in his car <laughs> I'll go I'll go I'll go I'll go yeah. <laughs> no one so you can see that he's he's a guy that doesn't make decisions very easily but I think I will get a, at will, the end yeah it, it was I don't know whether he, met, he intended for the car to reverse out or whether he was just unfortunate to forget that the car was in reverse and had got something on the accelerator pedal keeping it in reverse and being reversed mm. um, on the jacks. So, I don't know. That was a coincidence. Do you think it was? Do you yeah. think he didn't actually intentionally want the car to go out? Yeah, I didn't. I I didn't really get into all this context when I was watching the movie. I well, just no, no, sweetheart, well, you, you're, you're, you're going to watch it with your eyes. You're going to watch it and probably see it for all the funny things that are in there. And that's that's fine. But as you yeah. grow up and you're a teenager, you'll start to shift shift things when you watch things in a certain way. I, 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 to, to add to that, John Hughes has, has form. 
in near enough every film. I know we said authorities challenge, but let's go back to the Breakfast Club. We've got Emilio Estevez's character in in that is basically the wrestling champ that can't stand up to his dad. That's constantly telling him, "You've got to eat this. You've got to work out. You've got to do this." You know, he's he's going to stand up to his dad by the end of the Breakfast Club. In Pretty in Pink, Molly Ringwald's dad, played by Harry Dean Stanton, he's basically lying about having a job, and she has to stand up to him. Eric Stoltz in Some Kind of Wonderful stands up to his dad because his dad is saying, "You're going to go. You're going to stop being a mechanic. You're going to go to uh, college. You're going to save up. Here's all your money. I'm keeping it for you." And it's very controlling. And in the end, it, spoiler alert, it blows everything on a on a diamond for a girl. You know, and he says, this is my life. This is what I want to do with it. It's not what you want to do. So, you know, challenging authority is one thing, but I guess it resonated a lot with me, Cameron. My dad wasn't particularly nice growing up. That's a completely different story. I'll save that for the psychiatrist podcast. But yeah, um, <laughs> we don't have one and we're not getting one. Um, but yeah, so it resonated with me. And You just look at Cameron and he's, I mean, my mum was lovely. Uh, obviously, I don't think Cameron was getting love from anyone. Um, but yeah, he, he he finds himself in the end. Um, I did read online, there's a theory that Ferris Bueller is a construct, is, an imagi- is imaginary, it's all in Cameron's head. It's weird, I didn't really pursue it any further, but yeah, there is a conspiracy theory out there that says the whole film is basically all in Cameron's head, because... He wants to deflect. He wants to have that joy of being somebody like Ferris, and he can't be. It doesn't work really when you start <laughs> reading it. But it like, because they put save Ferris on the water tower. Yeah, but it's all in his head. So obviously, they'll be saving. They'll be saving Ferris. Mm. Okay. Did you have anything else before trivia time? Because we could go into. Yeah, I did. I okay. think um, it was quite poignant, especially for the times that we're in at the moment. Um, on reflection about the fact that we're having isolation and you know we've got the virus around at the moment it was actually quite poignant because I didn't realise it at the time when I was watching the film but I did when I was thinking about the film afterwards and the quote, one of the famous quotes from the film I've said it before and I'll say it again life moves pretty fast if you don't stop and look around once in a while, you could miss it. And I think that is really quite poignant for now. Mm, yeah. Because there's a lot of people that have had to press the stop button from their usual routines. And, you know, we're, we're already seeing, you know, the, the help your neighbours kind of attitude and being a bit more community friendly. And I think that is really, really quite important. I think we've, you know, the the, the, the old World War Two spirit in the UK and you know perhaps everywhere else, we've we've kind of missed. And I know it's not the same now, but those fundamental things about looking after each other, I think that is quite important. Mm. And this film has actually hit the nail on the head. You have to stop and you have to look around once in a while. You don't yeah. want to miss it. No. I think people have been forced, forced, as you say, forced to stop. So it's enforced reflection. And I guess that's, we, we think it's mostly good. And I, I do think it's mostly good. But obviously there's some bad to that when you, when you get people to stop and start considering things. So um, I'm hopeful that one of the things will happen at the end of this is um, the Prime Minister will come on and go right okay the things are restricted you can you can do this you can do this now 
whatever, and we'll have a massive street party. He'll, he'll basically endorse street parties up and down. Oh, I hope so. Yeah, I think that'd be a, think <laughs> that'd be a good thing to do. if there'd be an alcohol left. <laughs> <laughs> well, certainly we're, we're doing our bit, as, as people did their bit oh in the war. Oh my God, the recycling bins. I know. All, all you, you used to hear a few tins and a few bits of glass and stuff when people were being emptied. And a few cans. Now it's like continuous. It's, it's every just every day. It's every day you're hearing yeah. the clatter of like the glass and the, and the big. Tins I know, and, and it's stuff. five past four now, and I'm like thinking, yeah, when it gets to five, let's yeah. go gin and tonic. Five o'clock. Yeah, bars nice open. Beer, good beer. It's five o'clock somewhere in the world, if not here. Not that we'd be rushing the podcast just for that, oh, but I am looking at it. It's coming up to 50 minutes now on the podcast, yeah. and Trivia Time is amazing. Okay. You'll love Trivia Time as well, Amy, because there's certain bits in here that you won't you won't know. I didn't know until I looked them up. It's really cool. Can and, I just say something about the characters as well? Oh, yeah. Just an observation that I've had, probably um, more for our, our younger listeners, if there are any. If any of you have watched Stranger Things... Um, absolutely brilliant uh, series um, I have loved that and each of the seasons have had a, a different feel from the others um, but I, what struck me was that Sloane Peterson um, she actually reminds me of the girl that plays Nancy Wheeler in Stranger Things Natalia Dyer okay. and Joe Keery who plays Steve Harrington, who's supposed to be like her on-off boyfriend in Stranger Things, um, he actually did a Domino's advert recreating... Was that him in the Domino's yes, advert? Yes, yes, right, okay. Recreating yeah. the, the running through all the gardens yeah. scene. It's very good. Oh, and it's yeah. Brilliant. He, yeah. He, he's the, I think what she's talking about, I think it, um, that guy... I think he plays Ferris in it. Yeah, he's supposed to, yeah. He's supposed to play Ferris, yeah. But the Just thing is, I actually thought, oh, without even looking at anything first, I thought, oh my God, she reminds me of the girl out of Stranger Before Things. you made the jump on the Domino's advert. Yeah, and right. then I saw the Domino's advert and I was like, oh my God, that's a bit weird. That's coincidental. Anyway, I looked up and actually the brothers who make the Stranger Things movie have said... There are similarities in the characters. Wow. And Charlie Heaton, who plays Jonathan in Stranger Things, is supposed to be Cameron's character. Oh, right. Wow. Okay. That's that's really cool. It it was like, wow, that's really Is this your lead-in to Trivia Time with Trivia of Your Own? Maybe it is. I like this. There we go. I like this. Play Trivia Time. (laughs) Trivia Time. Well, after that, I, I love our jingle. And it's a great jingle. Um, so, there's lots. I, I, there's so much that I had to narrow it down to three pages. But don't worry, won't take too long. We can race, race through them. Hopefully, we'll get a bit of insight from Amy as well on this, on, on some of them. Because um, it's it's just, when, when you talk about certain scenes and things behind them, um, you know, first of all, let's get to the point. How much do you think the car cost? How much do you think that car... Oh, was it actually the, a 1961 Ferrari no. GT California? No, it wasn't. How do you remember all that? I wrote it down. Yeah, oh. it wasn't. Um, it was. Uh, they made three for the film, uh, one of which they crashed, um, but they, they basically put a an overlay over it to make it look like it 
who was actually a spider I think a Ford spider underneath it and they just put that over to just just to make it see and you you think even a car like that um, that that car I actually didn't write it down but I did I do do remember the last car that was they used in the Ferris Bueller went in auction and that raised $300,000 God, without being without being the car it is supposed to be. The Ferrari the 1951, 1961, sorry, Ferrari California sold. How much did it sell for? Oh, in 2008. Is it the one in dollars, please? Dollars. Oh, oh, is it like only 250 made? 100. Oh, 100. Oh my goodness. Wait, is this is this the one that not crashed? Yeah, this is right. Forget the ones the the film the the car it's trying to be in the film. In real life, they couldn't use this expensive car in the film, which is why I just said they they did made up three to look like it in the film, and one of those even was even there was a replica sold for three hundred thousand dollars. So the real car that they couldn't use, how much did that go for? Oh, the... There's only 100 made. Yeah. Mm. If 100 still exists. All right, come on, just give me a figure. Uh, I'll say uh, $2 million. He went for 10976000 That's how much the car cost. And that was the most expensive car sold at auction in the world to, to, date, to that date. It wasn't Chris Evans that bought it, was it? Uh, no, but he... I think he owns one that's like it, but in 2013, a 1967 Ferrari 275 GTB NART Spider sold for how much at auction? Um, I don't know how many there's, there's made, but I will tell you this: it's over ten. It's over that last figure because it's the most expensive car. Um, <laughs> it's the most expensive car ever sold at auction. In, and that was 2013. Uh, we got to guess the f- amount. Yeah, yeah, go for it. Um, I'm going to say 20 million pa- pounds. Okay, that's dollars. more like it. Yeah, Amy. Mm. Don't go half a billion again. And don't worry, it's not that. It'll be that much. Oh. Quick, just. Mm. Yeah. Five million. Five million. Okay, 27.5 million. Luminette. Yep. That's People a lot. actually got that amount of money. Yeah. Cash. Oh, when it comes Rich to cars, was it, yeah. it sold to someone in China? Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Could be. Anyway, back to, to, to trivia time. Um, this is what I've got. During the parade, you see like window washers and construction workers oh, dancing. Yeah. It's, and that's great. Um, they, were just, they were just dancing because while they were filming and doing all of this, um, John Hughes just went, oh, just film them for a bit and then we'll, we'll put it in the movie, which they did. Um, so that was pretty good. Oh, that was cool. Um, Ferris Bueller, the script only took six days to write. Um, he was writing it on the set of The Breakfast Club, so he was kind of like doing that in between. And he had that idea himself. Um, thought six days. That's pretty good. Um, Ferris's, Ferris Bueller's parents are played by Cindy Pickett and Lyman Ward, um, and they married in real life after the film. Oh, that's brilliant. Yeah. Um, they have a kid and call it Ferris. No, unfortunately, they divorced in 1992. Oh. So not long afterwards. Um, but Matthew Broderick and Jennifer Grey, they got engaged after the film. Oh. So like brother and sister. Yeah. Okay. Um, 
but they got engaged uh, and then tragically approximately a year later after Broderick filmed uh, filming Bloxy, finished filming Bloxy Blues and before Jennifer Grey started Dirty Dancing um, the couple was involved in a fatal crash in Ireland where the passengers of the other vehicle were killed and then they, they split up and I guess obviously Sarah, Sarah Jessica Parker came on the scene but um, do you remember the scene uh, where um, Cameron is pretending to be Mr. George Peterson, yeah. and 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 um, Ed's, they're, they're trying to find these records and they're trying to find it. And Grace, the, her, the secretary, picks up the phone and goes, "Oh, yeah, right, Edward Rooney." Yeah. <laughs> that was all improvised. They just <laughs> they just kind of left it in. I just thought that's amazing. Um, the the guy that goes. Um, Bueller, Bueller, and then you know yeah. what? What something? D O O economics, voodoo economics. Yeah. You know, um, he had a degree in economics. The, oh the actor God. did. Um, um, they just said, "Can you present um, and like an economics lecture that you would normally do?" And he goes, "Yeah, yeah." He so didn't he said, really teach like that, did he? Hence, nothing Stein says apart from the roll call is scripted. They just they just said, "Go and do something." God, that'd be the world. I know, but he must have had the brief. Like, go and make that. This is boring as possible, and uh, and just like how brilliant's that. Um, so Charlie Sheen is at the end. Spoiler alert. Yes, he, he put, is. He's at the police station where um, uh, Genie has been uh, pulled over. Um, oh, that was basically been making a phony phone call. You had to watch the film, but anyway, it all makes sense. Um, Method acting Charlie Sheen. He wanted to get his performance as the drug addict just right, so he stayed awake for 48 hours before the film. <laughs> <laughs> before his scene was supposed sure to be filmed. Well, I think he might have had some help staying up, mm. but but still. Um, yeah, so it, it looks it, because Charlie Sheen looks absolutely shot, basically. Um, uh, in the film... Uh, so, Ferris and Cameron are supposed to be 18, and Sloane is supposed to be 17. So... Mm. How old were they in reality? How old was Ferris? Ooh. At the time. So Matthew Broderick. Ooh. What do you Four, think? Uh, 14. You think he was 14? He, he wasn't 14. Was Ooh. he about 20? Okay. Okay, he, fine. 22. He was 23. Yeah. And I bet Jennifer Grey was a bit older than... I don't have her age. I only have um, Sloane, Cameron and Ferris. So, Alan Ruck played Cameron. Oh, oh, um... 24. Ooh. 22. 22, 24. Great guesses. 29. <gasps> I know. He was supposed to play an 18-year-old. He says he's always had a baby face. He's always had that sort of thing about it. But um, but in reality, how old was uh, Sloane? Who's Sloane? The girlfriend. Oh. oh, I think she was probably about 18. She was. She was 18. Absolutely. Um, next bit. So, going back to the secretary. In 2010, um, Edie McClurg told Vanity Fair magazine that, their char- that her character's hairdo should be from the 1960s. That's what she wanted. Mm. Because Grace felt she looked best in the 1960s and kept her look from that era. <laughs> However, the women's hairdresser on set had been mainly hired to blow out Mia Sarah, i.e. Uh, Sloan, to blow out her long straight hair and didn't know how to do... 60s hairstyles so Edie McClough teased set and styled their own character's hair once she arrived on the set John Hughes looked at her hairstyle and said first thing he said was 
How many pencils do you think you can fit in that hair? Oh, amazing. It's good, isn't it? This is the quality we're up against in trivia time. It's good. Um, they tested it with one pencil, then two or three, but then the fourth one fell out. So that was the origin of Grace's first scene in that movie in which she pulls the seven pencils out. <laughs> That's cool. Is that he takes one look at the hair and he goes, my goodness, how many pencils can you fit in that? That's wicked. I bet it was hairsprayed loads yeah. as well. Um, I like this next bit because I think this is great. So going back to Ben Stein, he's the guy that had the economics, um, voodoo economics, back again. Um, he was exceptionally moved by the film, um, calling it the most life-affirming movie possibly of the entire post-war period. Before you think that's a bit dramatic, listen to what he says. This is to comedies what Gone with the Wind is to epics. He added, it'll never die because it responds to and calls forth such human emotions. It isn't dirty, there's nothing mean-spirited about it, there's nothing sneering or sniggering about it, it's just wholesome. We want to be free, we want to have a good time, want to know what we want to do. Sounds like (laughs) Primal Scream, want to have a party, want to get loaded. Um, No, we want to be free, we want to have a good time. Um, We know we're not going to be able to all our lives, we know we're going to have to buckle down and work. We know we're going to have to eventually become family men and women and have responsibilities and pay our bills. But hey, just give us a couple of good days we can look back on. Hmm. That was his take on the film. And no, I was like, I like thinking, that. I like that. Yeah. Um, this next bit, I have to say, um, where I pick up things and I use them um, from films, um, the two lines that I do end up using is, I weep for the future, which is what the what waiter says at the... Uh, or the um, not the waiter, the... Shay Louis. Shay Louis, yeah. Um, oh, I, I, I weep for the future. I ended up using that a lot, but, um, no, you know, nobody uh, nobody uh, messes with me, so Ed Rooney's line, nobody messes with me and leaves my cheese out in the wind. <laughs> what does that mean? I, I What's leaving your cheese in the wind? I don't know. What, what phrase is that? <laughs> but I, I, I always took it to mean, don't leave, don't leave me embarrassed don't leave me hanging and so for years afterwards I think I still do occasionally go oh crikey don't don't do that man don't leave my cheese out in the wind don't leave me hanging I think it's great and I end up using it and that was ad-libbed John Hughes wanted a comment that was complete nonsense and so they just made it up no well it does too it does Um, now well yeah Um, Amy you'll love this next one so when he says he's a righteous dude um, it wasn't in the script at all. So she goes, the kids all the, the kids all adore him. They think he's a righteous dude. She put that bit on the end um, and she ad-libbed it. And they went, keep it in. Sounds great. And it's one of the film's, <laughs> films bit that they remember. Um, the hand that presses the speaker button on Cameron's phone on his bit. Oh, yeah. You know, in, when he's in bed. That's the director. That's John Hughes. That's John Hughes's, uh, John Hughes's uh, hand. Um, uh, when the crew left Hughes took the camera and shot it himself because since no one else was getting it right that's the bit I don't understand yeah that hand bit where you come and press that button yeah I didn't like that so he filmed it he basically filmed it himself and it's like okay Hmm. I know you might be a perfectionist but yeah (laughs) Um, this one's great according to Inside Story a documentary about it Charlie Sheen's character name is actually Garth Volbeck Garth Volbeck I know it sounds like a Star <laughs> sounds Wars sounds like character. Darth Voldemort <laughs> well it could be there was going to be a whole backstory to his character and family 
it was also revealed that the Volbecks are the family to who Ferris's mum was showing the house in her job as an estate agent. Oh, in... Um... So I'm showing some people around the thing, yeah, right? Yeah. If you look closely, the tow truck that tows Rooney's car when he parks outside the fire hydrant is from Volbeck's wrecking service. <laughs> also, a deleted backstory shows that Ferris and Garth were friends in the eighth grade. Garth's family pretty uh, Garth's family's pretty messed up, and Ferris tried to help him and be his friend. But Charlie Sheen eventually dropped out of high school and wound up in the police station next to Jeannie. <laughs> That's why Ferris is so intent on giving Cameron a good time because he blames himself for not helping Garth when he when he needed it. Oh. So that's a, that's just an odd one. Uh, John Hughes personally defi- designed Ferris's bedroom himself, based it on his bedroom, his own bedroom when he was in high school. Um, he said that the room was a disorganized series of pop references and in other things, and other things because it would represent Ferris's mind. Right. So there's a Simple Minds poster up there. There was a Brian Ferry poster yes, up there. Yeah, there was a Brian I, Ferry album. Yeah. I did there was see a Simple Joke Minds. Poster. Yes, and a Cabaret Voltaire poster. And I listened to them purely on the basis that he had a poster <laughs> there. You're such a dweeb. But I think they their album, The Arm, The Sword, and the, the Covenant of the Lord. I did see like one that was sort of turquoisey with um something written on it. I can't remember what it was, but... Okay, it, it was like poster. it was okay. like little like L I L apostrophe. I don't think there were many lils back in the 80s. Maybe <laughs> there's a lot now, but not not then perhaps. Um, Ferris laments not having his own car, but he did own a synthesizer, which in 1984 cost how much? The synthesizer that he had. Eight thousand pounds, eight thousand dollars. That synthesizer that he plays, and I'm like thinking, I think he could have got a second-hand car for that. You know when he said, "I asked for a car, I got a computer." Talk about being born under a bad sign. You're like, no, that's an eight thousand pound piece of kit that you got there. Um, in the scene in which Sloane and Ed Rooney are standing outside waiting for Mr. Peterson, aka Ferris, school in the background is John Hughes's old high school. Wow. Because he's Mr. Chicago. It's also the school from. Uh, weird science it's a school from uh, breakfast club um, it's been used many oh. many, many times right. this is a great one most of the license plates in the film are all abbreviations for titles of John Hughes films Katie's his mum is VCTN which is National Lampoon's Vacation in 1983 Jeannie's is TBC stands for breakfast club yep um, an obscure one for, for Tom's, uh, the dad's, M-M-M-O-M. Oh yeah, I noticed that. I thought it was just like mum spelled wrong. Uh, it's a yeah, film same. called Mr. Mum in 1983, starring Michael Keaton. Okay. Yeah. Rooney's is F, well, it's quite an obvious one, for F-B-D-O. Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Um, the exception is Cameron's father's Ferrari. It says nervous or something. Nervous, yeah, that's right. So, moving on. Several key moments in the film, movie were created in the editing room. Jeannie kicking Rooney three times in the face when he when he's in the oh, house. Yes, yeah. Bang, 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 bang. Um, there was only one kick film, so they had to repeat it and make it look like she was kicking him three oh, times because okay. it was funnier. Um, Ferris and Sloane's kiss in front of Rooney was originally just a brief kiss. Do you have a kiss for Daddy? Oh God, yeah. I know that's a bit. Wrong. That's a bit oh. wrong. 
but it was later edited into a long kiss which you see in the film um, according to John Hughes Cameron was based in large part of a friend of his in high school um, he said he was sort of a lost person his family neglected him so he took that as a license to really pamper himself when he's legitimately sick he actually felt good because it was difficult and tiring to have to invent diseases but when he actually had something he was relaxed how weird's that mm. yep the restaurant where Ferris go is the same one uh, I, I, I knew this I knew it when I first saw it it was the same one from the Blues Brothers it's where Jake and Elwood um, tried to get the maitre d' to join the band again uh, it's also the same restaurant from St Elmo's Fire okay this is going to be a little quiz Quiz. No. Who was considered for the role of Ferris Bueller? Oh. We're going to check some names out. Michael J. Fox. That's that is one. Yes. Oh. Yes. Oh. Struck gold Boy, on the first one. Nice. Definitely. Uh, one of your boyfriends? Oh. Uh... Robert Downey Jr. Who'd been in Weird Science? Yes, was considered. That that would have been good. I, I, I genuinely think that would have been good. Him as Ferris. Yeah. Um, also, John John Cusack, who would have been, who basically can do no wrong in my eyes. Um, but also on there, we've got Jim Carrey. Jim, really? Jim Carrey at that time was was doing stuff. Um, Tom Cruise. Yeah, Johnny, a bit De- obvious, Johnny Depp and Rob Lowe. Johnny Depp. Mm. Mm. Johnny Depp was considered. Um, the final scene in the garage. Uh, with the car was shot in early autumn so each of the the, the leaves on the trees outside had to be hand painted green every morning oh my before God. shooting in the shot looking up at the wreck at the three friends yeah. so when you look at them where he says what did I do you killed, you killed the, the car. car the yellow tree with most of its upper leaves gone can be seen reflected in the window you can see it there you can see that they didn't paint one because they, you know, they're filming it <laughs> okay last bit the parade scene took multiple days of filming. Matthew Broderick spent some time practicing the dance moves. I was very scared, he said. Fortunately, the sequence was carefully choreographed be- beforehand. We worked out all the moves by rehearsing in a little studio. It was shot on two Saturdays in the heart of downtown Chicago. The first day was during a real parade, and John got some very long shots. Then radio stations carry- carried announcements inviting people to take part in a John Hughes movie. The word got around fast, and 15,000 people turned up. <gasps> Oh my God, that would to a standstill. For the final shot, I turned around, says Broderick, and saw a river of people. I put my hands up at the end of that number and you heard this huge roar. I can understand how rock stars feel. That kind of reaction feeds you, he says. Mm. 10,000, sorry, 15,000 people. Oh my God. That's, I, that's I wish I was alive in that time. because You would have gone and seen Ferris. Oh, mm-hmm. well, I would have done just there. Yeah. Um, the shot of the street when they all go on the tower and they all put their heads up against the glass oh, and they yeah. try to get the shot of the, the, the what it looks like so from there so they get the shot of what they're actually looking at um, is was done by the second unit crew because the first crew the cameraman got sick <laughs> because it had to be held over the side to get the shot oh god um the dance sequence by the group on the stairs when they're doing when he's doing yeah. twist and shout is taken that that dance sequence is taken straight out of thriller. Oh. So when they do the clapping and they do the the, the moving and then the, the walking back, that's all out of thriller. Wow. Yeah, that's a good one. 
Um, in order to keep the Rottweiler focused on Jeffrey Jones, Edward Rooney, he had to carry a steak around in his jacket pocket. Oh, I'm not surprised. Absolutely. Um, Why steak? Dogs like food. Yeah. Um, uh... At one point in the film, and this is where um, there was a line that Ferris was going to say, come next year, I'll be the first kid to ride on the space shuttle. It was even featured in the preview at the, the, the theatres. However, less than five months before the film's release, the Challenger exploded, oh. killing all seven on board. Because of this, John Hughes had the preview recalled from the theatres and the line was edited out. Paul McCartney admitted he liked the movie, <laughs> but personally disliked Twist and Shout. Why do you think? Because it was done by... Um, oh, no, he doesn't mind people... It's a Frenemy? What? What? No, I don't know why. Um, He didn't like it because it included brass instruments. If you can believe that. Upon hearing McCartney's reaction, John Hughes felt bad for offending a Beatle. But it wasn't really, he said, but it wasn't really part of the song. We saw a band and we needed to hear the instruments. So the last bit, Matthew Broderick's dance moves were choreographed by Kenny Ortega, who later went on to do Dirty Dancing. I know it's all linked in some way. Oh. Much of it had to be scrapped though, as Broderick had injured his knee badly during the scenes of running through neighbours' backyards. Oh gosh! I was pretty sore, he said. I I got well enough to 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 see what to see what you see on the screen in the parade, but I couldn't do most of Kenny Ortega's knee spins and things like that. <laughs> knee spins. Because we that we'd worked on. When we did shoot it, we had all this choreography, and I remember John Hughes would yell with the microphone, "Okay, do it again." but don't do any of the choreography because he wanted it to be a total mess. Dankershane was some, somewhat choreographed, but for Twist and Shout, Broderick said, we were just making everything up. John Hughes explained that much of that scene was spontaneously filmed, so they had a whole thing planned, couldn't do it because he knackered his knee up, so that they, they, they just improvised. It probably would have been better not to have had it choreographed because... The whole point was it wasn't choreographed and it just got on to the float and did some stuff. Do you see what I mean? Mm. It would look really weird if it had all been rehearsed and like the girls were dancing with him. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it just seems like he he got the float. Yeah. But don't forget what they did in that is they, they used the real crowd watching, uh, I've forgotten what it was, it was the German folks something. Parade yeah, it was like the, the German folk parade. And the yeah, it was something like that. And it was good. And basically, they created their own float and put it in and didn't tell anybody. Oh, brilliant. And didn't tell the governors, the, the organisers, and just put the float in to see what the crowd's reaction would be. Oh, auditor alert. Yeah. Yeah. Imagine anyway. doing that these days. A massive security issue. Absolutely. And for the right reasons, too. Indeed. And that's trivia time. Um... And I guess probably the end of the podcast, in that sense. Wow. So we really like Ferris then, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, we haven't decided what we're going to do next. Uh, you would think in the lockdown we would have had plenty of time to agree a film, but no, despite all the conversations, uh, we haven't agreed on one. Maybe something on, I don't know. What do, do, you got any ideas? Me? No, anybody? Bueller? Bueller? <laughs> Bueller? Amy? 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 <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, what's, what's that one with, like, uh, the green monster? 
with um, the guy Shrek? out of Ghostbusters. No, no. Um, oh, we could be here a while that here. From. Um, we are getting entry Amy's head. We might be here for a long time. <laughs> oh. Ten seconds. It's not there, is it? No. no. All right, okay. Anyway, um, if anyone wants to take a guess at oh, that, I'm going to guess Shrek. Miss Doubtfire. The guy who played Miss Doubtfire in, in... Pierce Bros. Oh, Robin Williams. Yeah. Flubber. Flubber. Mr. Flubber. Uh, I th- that's a good shout, but I think that was it 90s. Was I think it was in the 90s. Oh. I think. Wait. Um, Mum's... Mum's, oh, Mum's see, I knew we couldn't, get, we couldn't get through a podcast. Yeah, 1997, Ames. Oh. Oh, so you have to wait until we're in our 60s and doing forgotten 90s films. 60s? <laughs> well, we've got a lot to cover in the air. There's a lot. Oh, God. There's a lot. I don't think there's like 14 years worth of movies. Well, mm. we're doing... So, yeah. So we do well, like one a month or so? 12 a year? 120? I've got 170 in the bank. So yeah, we'll see you in our 60s. <laughs> oh, what a refreshing thought. Anyway, um, we I've loved doing this podcast and I've loved seeing the film again. Um, so I hope after this we go back and watch some John Hughes films, some of the other ones, to see how they all sort of connect. Yeah, because I've actually uh, only watched Pretty in Pink once. I've never seen <gasps> 16 Candles. And I think I've only watched, um, oh, Pretty in Pink. I've probably seen some of the movie. But not once, all of it. But not, not from start okay. to finish. And The Breakfast Club, I've seen it once from start to finish. Seen snips, like, here and there and stuff. Hmm. But, yeah, maybe we should kind of... There is, a, there, is a 19, there is a film of his called, which I referred to in the part just, just now, when he talked about having daddy issues. It's called Some Kind of Wonderful... Um, with Eric Stoltz um, and that's that's amazing it's a really good film so I, I would say that's obscure but but who knows anyway it's lovely to for you to join us for the start of season 2 um, I hope you like the new um, intro music uh, which I've got to now go and design um, and thank you very much to our little participant today <laughs> Despite the fact that she thinks a Ferrari 250 GT California will go for a thousand pounds, thousand pounds. I'll have two. Here's two thousand pounds. Can you find me another one? That'd be great. Nice. <laughs> you know, if if the actual cost of the car that could buy you about twenty seven of those cars. No, more actually. Yeah, let's do about some maths later. Yeah, we'll do maths later. Yeah, maths homework now. Aww. No, anyway. We've got our sign-offs. Uh, have you got one, Amy? How do you want to say bye-bye? Yeah, so... Or, a- uh, Amy, you go first. Uh, don't think about it too much. Just go toodles. for Toodles! Oh, she's nicked, she's nicked yours. She's nicked some of mine. No, you I can't was going to say peace. Okay, peace out. How about... Yeah. Hey, you want to say doodles? You can't. Mum says... Mum uh, says... Oh. Okay, you can have half of mine. <laughs> okay, I'll say to peace. To peace. Right. To peace. Um, and then cheerio from me. And toodle pip from me. Bye. Rusted junk. Rusted junk. Rusted junk. The forgotten 80s movies. The forgotten 80s movies.